Welcome to Hacking Your ADHD, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, William Kerb, and I have ADHD. On this podcast, I dig into the tools, tactics, and best practices to help you work with your ADHD brain. Hey team, this week I'm talking with one of my favorite people, Roxy Martin. I got to know Roxy back when I was doing admin work for the ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Groups. Since then, we've become fast friends and frequently check in with each other. Recently, we were talking about Roxy's decluttering coaching, and I thought this would be an excellent topic for the show because cleaning and decluttering are things that just always seem to come up with ADHD. In this episode, we talk about the difference between cleaning, decluttering, and organizing. We get into the specifics about how we can be more effective in our cleaning, how we can better approach decluttering, and just how all of this interacts with our ADHD. If you'd like to follow along on the show notes page, you can find that at hackingyouradhd.com slash 134. All right, keep on listening to find out how we can start figuring out better ways to make our spaces functional. And and yeah, today we're going to talk a bit about cluttering because it is something that we all deal with a lot. I don't know anyone with ADHD that doesn't deal with it at some time. Even even when we get it under control, it comes back. That's the part. I think that we can be amazing at organizing. I think we can be amazing at getting our house in tip-top shape. But I think the struggle for a lot of us is in the maintaining. It's the maintaining. It's just not as sexy. Mm-hmm. As we were talking a bit before, we also have this trouble distinguishing between cleaning, decluttering, and organizing. Right. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I actually had always thought that it was all kind of the same thing. So if I was going to go clean my kitchen, for example, that meant that it was going to probably be a half day or an all day thing. And it was going to mean that the first thing I did was move the dirty dishes and the food that I hadn't put away or whatever, move all of that to get a clear space. And that would be step one. And then loading and reloading the dishwasher would be another step. And then I think I would kind of end the day on my hands and knees with a toothbrush scrubbing baseboards. And I would feel amazing if I could, and that did that. So I'd feel great, but I wouldn't come back to it again until it was messy and caught my eye. And I thought that, what did I do today? I cleaned my kitchen, but that's not true. And I realized after reading a blog post by this lady, Dana K. White, she's a slob comes clean. And I had been on vacation when I came across her blog post on the layers of clean. And in that blog post, she talked clearly about there being a distinction between the decluttering and the cleaning. So I had a little light bulb moment and I started focusing on just decluttering. And if I could get my spaces clear, then I would consider that a win. And I would also say I can declutter or I can clean, but I can't do the same thing. Like I can't do them both on this in the same day. And that was kind of freeing because I thought I had to. So I just got in the habit of just decluttering, just clear my spaces and no 
toothbrushes on baseboards, no Q-tips around the the stove, none of that, none of that. And I did that for quite a while and felt kind of um, accomplished, I guess, in a way, because I could leave my kitchen without feeling exhausted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it was a big deal noticing, like thinking about those being different things. Decluttering isn't the same as cleaning. And the reason it was so hard to clean is because my kitchen was always freaking cluttered. Yeah, I mean, that is one of the things I've always discovered. I'm like, I'm going to go clean something. And I'm like, I can't even get to my desk to clean it because yeah. there's this pile of papers on it. Yeah. That in itself isn't really decluttering with the pile of papers because I need to organize those papers. It's not, I mean, yes, there's going to be a decluttering in that process, but I need to, they need, most of them need to get put away or, you know, there's a reason that they're on my desk in the first place. Right. Well, that's another um, another thing that I realized when I started focusing on the decluttering part is that the first step of decluttering has to be getting rid of stuff. Otherwise, I'm just going to be organizing clutter and that's not going to get me very far. So the first part of the process that I found a little daunting, but ultimately super helpful was reducing my inventory. That was huge. Just less stuff to be responsible for. And I think, um, I think that come, I think somebody, uh, minimal mom maybe is the one who talks about inventory, but, but I adopted that and realized that if I can't clean my space up in five or 10 minutes, if I can't declutter my space easily in five or 10 minutes, it is not a clutter problem. It's an inventory problem. I need to reduce inventory enough so that I can take five or 10 minutes and be clear. Love that point. I was like, that is like a end of episode point that I would add. <laughs> this is very concrete. It's like, if I can't do this, then it means this. Yep. And I, I love that. Cause yeah, that's a lot of my problems with trying to clean or, you know, get organized with something. I'm like, this is going to take too long. Yes. I can't even see how to get through this project at this point. Right. Right. And that's overwhelming. That can shut, shut us down. Another thing that can happen. Well, this has happened for me. And that is if I'm looking for a really efficient way to do something that can be a gateway drug to either perfectionism or analysis paralysis. So one thing that's been helpful for me is to realize efficiency is not my, my objective. It does. I can't be trusted with coming up with, with a plan based on efficiency. Cause I will go down so many rabbit holes trying to find out how to get to that perfect, that perfect spot that I won't get anything done. So some of what I do in, in the decluttering might from the outside look really inefficient, but I get so much more done this way. Mm -hmm. By just letting it go. Like, I don't care. I'm not looking for efficiency. I'm looking for done. Yeah. Um, one of the ways that I've been working on getting my house more under control is using when I take breaks from writing or doing other work, I'll use five, that five minutes to like, I'll go pick up toys in the living room or, you know, maybe it takes 10 minutes or whatever. Being like, I'm just going to do this real quick in between these other things. Yes. And having it planned that that's what I'm going to do. Because if I'm not going to like be like, time to take a break. What's going to be fun? <laughs> that doesn't work. Uh, but being like, oh, if I just go and unload the dishwasher real quick after this, 
I mean, it lets me take my brain off of what I was working on, and then I can come back with like fresh thoughts, and I actually get this stuff done because it's not that intensive to do if I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I think that's great. I think that harnessing the power of five or 10 minutes is huge, huge. And that goes back to your point earlier. If it's going to take more than five minutes, then that's not the issue. The cleaning isn't the issue at that point. That's right. That's right. Uh, that, that That's going to stick with me for a bit now because I'm like, I'm going to have to really look at that and figure out where my spaces that take more than five to 10 minutes to clean. And then how, do I, how am I going to reduce there? That's awesome. That's awesome. Something else that might be helpful is the the container concept, the idea that it's not about what can I keep and what do I have to get rid of? It's about what's the designated space, how much space is there? And then once you decide that, putting your favorites in first until you're out of space and then being able to say, I don't have any more room for you. It's not me. It's the container. And that's something that I found to be really helpful. And I, I, that's another one. I didn't coin it. That's a slob comes clean thing. But I found it to be really helpful because it took me away from thinking about all of the potential uses for all of the great stuff that I had. And allowed me to go, it doesn't even matter. It's not even a question as to whether or not these things are valuable or useful or whether or not I could, you know, make a thing like make, I I have broken some broken pieces from uh, China cups. Mm -hmm. And I had a thought back in the day, I could make a mosaic. These were really great things. I had them in a baggie. And when I was going through and doing my organizing where I was actually deciding which containers could hold what, I realized, yeah, it's not that that's not a great idea, but I have other things I'd rather put in this cabinet than a baggie full of broken cup pieces. Like That's a great idea for somebody, not me. I mean, that's a huge thing with ADHD. We have all these ideas and projects that we want to do and we have all the pieces to do them or maybe we have like half the pieces to do them but we don't have the time to do them right and so we have this in our closet full of adhd hobbies that are someday maybe but we're never really going to get to mm-hmm. yeah we're super creative there are lots of things that we could do and i think that one of the things that can be helpful is just thinking about who are we now not the aspirational version of us in the distance, but right now, who are we? What does life look like? And organizing, planning, and decluttering around that. And another thing I think is that I, this isn't just an ADHD issue, but I do think it comes up a lot. We're always trying to get better and do better, and we're looking for things to help us. So we tend to acquire a lot of things, and then they don't do the trick. But maybe we feel guilty because we spent the money. Mm-hmm. And so we don't want to let it go. We want to somehow we want to keep it and hope that maybe we will eventually circle back and, and get the use out of it. But there was something really freeing for me to almost to get permission, I guess, to let it go. Like, good try. Good try. Yeah. Let it go and then let it go, even if I'm donating it and say, lesson learned. I don't probably need as much as I think I do. Look how much I'm throwing away. 
yeah, I think the the two things that are, that's making me think of is one like just embracing the sunk cost fallacy and being like, I already spent this money. Yes. It's not coming back. Even if I do the thing, the money's not coming back. That's right. And you call it the sunk cost fallacy. Mm-hmm. That's what it's called. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yes. it's uh, mm-hmm. a lot of times people will throw good money after bad because, well, I already put money in, so I better put more in. And in this case, it's not money that we're putting. It's just the time and the storage and like the emotional energy that we're throwing like, oh, I, I should be doing that. That's right. That's right. There's a book by, oh, I can't remember the, the author's name, but the book is called Goodbye Things. I think the last name is Sasaki. Anyway, he talks about uh, how we're, we're paying rent for these things. We're paying their rent. Mm-hmm. Instead of holding on to the, oh, I messed up. I bought something I shouldn't. Looking at it like, you're not serving me and I'm paying your rent and I'm not going to pay it anymore. Yeah. And it, yeah, the, the other thing that it had reminded me of was the uh, Marie Kondo's like saying goodbye to here or saying thank you to the things that you're getting rid of. Right. Yeah. Which like feels silly to some people, but like being like, hey, I really liked you when I had you, but you're not part of my identity anymore. I don't need to keep you. That's right. Yeah. Well, have you done, I'm asking you because I've done it, but have you made purchases to try to get energy that you didn't have available to you to accomplish something? Yeah. uh, There's always like the exercise equipment or I have so many books where I'm like, oh, I'm going to buy this book because I'm going to read it and then everything will change. And of course, I looking over at my bookshelf, there's a dozen books that I haven't even opened since buying them. I can't relate. Not at all. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> well, so that's a thing. I I have spent a lot of time buying motivation. And honestly, I don't even necessarily feel bad that that's what I was doing. Because I, I, I was trying to find a way to get what I needed to do a thing. I feel like as time passes, I can start to see that a little more clearly and I can avoid it. Sometimes I can, instead of going and buying a new kitchen gadget, I'm more likely now to listen to a clean with me podcast or something like that. But there have been lots of times. And as I've gone through the decluttering process, I have found lots of items that I can say specifically, I bought you to pump me up. I bought you to help me do what I couldn't do. And that's not bad. I was trying. I mean, my, my motives weren't bad. We, we do that a lot. And it's the problem is that we leave it there. We're like, this is going to be enough. Um, and uh, what we need is just, you know, something a little bit more, you know, to push us, you know, with the maybe accountability or, you know, really building in a plan of how we're going to do the thing. Cause a lot of the times with that, aspirational purchase of this is going to build the motivation for me or only like the thing is going to do it but it's just a thing that's right it's just a thing it's just a thing and i I don't want to like completely discredit the idea though because it's like yeah if you have a nice journal you might be more likely to use it than if you just are writing notes on sticky notes and sticking them everywhere that's true too. And I think for, um, I think for there's certain times when buying a little something shiny to help you get going on something, it's not, it doesn't always have to be bad, but if you're trying to keep your inventory down, 
I think it's worthwhile to look at, are there any other options? And if you're also, I mean, on a budget, it's also worth looking at how much are you willing to spend for that? And does it have to be something that's that's a concrete thing that's going to take space in your home? Or could you choose something that'll maybe give you a boost that actually isn't isn't a concrete space taker? Can you go get a coffee? Can you can you do something else? What I've been doing a lot lately is just getting audiobooks from my library. Mm-hmm. Just this, you know, that's like, oh, free. What was I thinking? We've had the libraries my whole life, but I'm like 50 something years old and I just now started getting books mm. my phone from the library. Making me think of this idea that uh I've heard before called the minimal minimum viable product, which is like what's the smallest thing I could get to build this habit that would be good? Because we often will be like, we want to motivationally buy the nice thing to then get ourselves to use it. But if we could get like the minimum thing that would help us start the habit, and if we actually keep up the habit, then buying the nicer thing. Right. That would keep us out of trouble, potentially. Yeah. Learn what the ins and outs of the hobby are going to be before we embrace it and be like, oh, well, this was a terrible idea. And now I have all this stuff. (laughs) Right. I think I not too long ago threw out a bunch of knitting needles and yarn and books because I decided that it was going to relax me and help me make gifts for a holiday. And I don't know that I ever opened the book. Mm -hmm. I could have borrowed, you know, some things from a friend or I could, there's all kinds of things I could have done before making the investment, but you live and you learn. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think there's also like the idea of like, okay, well, like say you want to take up like stand up paddleboarding. And your first step could be buying a stand up paddleboard or it could be renting one. Yes. So then you're not getting the stuff first and you're like, okay, well, maybe this, you know, maybe this is the thing for me and maybe I can't fit it into my life. Right. Well, I think too, sometimes that it's the thought of things that get us so excited. Mm hmm. It's maybe even more often the thought of the thing that can really pump us up. It's not even actually having the thing. So sometimes, sometimes just recognizing that the most excited I'm ever going to be is like right now before I buy you. (laughs) Maybe the first week I have you, but rarely does the excitement last for longer than that. And we do that too uh, with our like cleaning stuff where we like, be like, oh, well, I'm going to completely redo my, my bedroom. And we like take everything out and we make it this big pile of stuff that we're going to organize and sort and declutter. And then, and I think, well, now, now this is a big overwhelming task and I'm not going to deal with this pile. That brings me to a really interesting piece of information on this whole decluttering thing that I've found very helpful. And that is, I don't pull out a bunch of stuff ever because I want to be able to make progress and I don't want to have anything left over. I assume I'm going to be called out in the middle. So I only do a teeny bit um, at a time. So that way I can see the progress right away. And I don't have to worry that I'm going to forget where I was. And I don't have to do the leave myself a trail. I make it so it's, it's, it's that simple. That's really helpful. So for example, when I'm going to clean out my, clean out my closet, 
I'm not going to pull everything out of the closet, Marie Kondo style and lay it all out on my bed. That's never going to happen. But what I might do is um, first look to see what I absolutely never wear or what I'm finding myself washing over and over again that never actually makes it on my body and out the door. And then put that away, put it to donate or put it to get away. So that's all I do. Or I pick one shelf, one shelf to work on. Everything I do when I'm decluttering is in tiny increments. And if I have the time, I'll do more, but I never try to bite off a whole bunch. Same thing with paper clutter, small stack. Even if, even if I have a whole box full of things that I need to address, like, uh, uh-uh, I'm going to take a knuckles worth Mm -hmm. and then that's, that's it. Yeah. We, it's so easy for us to get overwhelmed despite what our ADHD tells us we're going to be capable of in the beginning. I agree. The thought of having a really clean space is a lot more appealing than the cleaning part. (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. Which I guess is also uh, an important piece to like, think about like getting the, the why behind what we want in the situation. What would drive us to actually get to do the stuff? Like what would make it interesting to do? What would make us feel motivated to do it? I like that question. And as I think about the question, the thought that comes to my head is I don't get motivated. I can, you know, like I can, like I told you, I can do some things, I guess, like, you know, listen to a podcast to try to get pumped up or I I used to buy a lot of stuff. But lately, now that I'm in mate, more in maintenance mode. I'm not really motivated. It's not very exciting, but I think what helps is what we already talked about. And that is the tiny little time commitments. So I'm not motivated to spend five minutes, but I'm not opposed. One of the things I liked from Eric was the, uh, you know, you don't want to fall into the, just do it, but sometimes you've got to just do it anyway. Right. I don't want to do this, but I'm just going to do it anyway. Yes. I like the idea. You said something about, um, I can't remember how you worded it, but you did talk about making things really simple when you, in one of your episodes on momentum. For me, I have a visual and it's like digging, digging a hole so that it's almost easier for me to fall into the hole than to walk around it and not do the thing. So wherever I can, I, I do I do want to make it that simple. I have an example of that. In my shower, I have a wand dish. It's a dishwasher, dishwashing brush, but it's um you fill the you fill it with Dawn liquid mm-hmm. and it's it, it can stand up on its own. So I have that little dishwasher scrubber thingy and I have it on a shelf in my bathroom. So instead of me at some given time of day saying, oh, I really need to go and scrub my shower. It's time to clean the bathroom. No, no, no. I just take my shower and a couple of times a week, I grab the little scrubby while my conditioner's on and I scrub all my tiles. And then I take the washcloth when I'm done washing my face and I use that to wipe off the sudsiness. 
And now my shower's done. Like that wasn't, I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to get wet when my clothes were dry. I didn't have to come back later and make an event out of it. I didn't have to go grab the cleaning supplies and the whatever. And then, you know, it's just easy, easy, easy. So things, anything like that, that can make it really simple. Um, One other thing that's really easy for me is I have a German shepherd who blows coat like crazy hair everywhere. I could grab the Dyson and plug it in and attach the pet hair thing and then do all that. But that's exhausting. So more oftentimes than not, I use a rubber glove for mm-hmm. just, and it's got a little bit of traction on it. And that glove will grab and ball up all the hair. And, and it's over. It's over. Just just one hand. Going over my um, bedspread or we have um, some chairs where the dog will run up against the chair. And so the whole side will be dog fur and two swipes with that glove and it's gone. Easy, easy, easy. That's what I need. Quick and easy. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the best thing for us when we have, because we're not going to get that motivation to to do the things if it's, or, you know, even the, it'll be able to just put it off where like this is not going to be easy so i'm not going to do it sure and it doesn't take much to i mean when we're already feeling like lethargic it doesn't take much to have a some kind of thought about expended energy to make us want to take a nap yeah so i think yeah make figuring out how to make the tasks easier like what what's the hurdle that we have to get over and how can we lower the hurdle that's right and is there something that can be a jumping off point that can become, even though we're not great with, uh, with habits, what is there a jumping off point that we could, we could have that would just get us moving something that we don't have to think about something that we're not changing up all the time. The one that I have is one that you hear all the time from cleaning people and they say, just do your dishes, just do your dishes. So if I don't know what to do, I have no idea where to start. That's what I hear in my head. Just go do the dishes because there's either a dish to wash or a dish lo- dishwasher to empty. And once I'm standing, oftentimes I'm inclined to do a little bit more. But that's huge. Just do the dishes. And there's a cool thing that's kind of that's uh, that's helpful to remember. Uh, it's it's dishes math. Are you familiar with that? Uh, no. Uh, it's the same person I was talking to you about, but I think it's I think it's really good. Dishes math. If we do the dishes, it takes X amount of time every day. If I do the dishes, if I wait a day and I skip the dishes, it isn't now two times. It's four times as long to do the dishes. And if I don't do them then, and I come back the next day, now I'm seven times as long. It's total dishes math. And I think about that a lot now. If I just do it, I really can have it done in 15 minutes. I have a sticky right here in my monitor, which is a front loading effort is self care. Because <laughs> there's so many things with our ADHD where we're like, I just do it now, it'll be easier for me in the future, like a lot. And taking care of my future self is self care. That's good. And it's so true. Just do it now is an absolute, like it's a, it's, it's a gift and it's, 
we, we balk at it. Right. And we roll our eyes that whole, just do it thing. Like, Oh, sure. It's that's so easy. But honestly, just that mantra in our head, when we set something down, you know, the coffee cup, just, just do just now, just do it now. It'll be over. and, And there's the idea of all the, all the things that we leave for later are the silent to-do lists Mm -hmm. that are talking in our subconscious. They are, they're real shitty. Yeah. And they're mean things using up our working memory. Cause they need to like, we're like, I need to do that. I need to do that. And it's, um, yeah. And yeah, sure. Doing it now that it doesn't actually make it easier to do, but it can be, it can be a little bit helpful to be like, yeah, this is going to be, this is for me. Yes. Uh, and um, also like maybe, hey, what, when in the future, when you go, hey, the counter's clean, I don't have to do the dishes. You can go, thanks, past me. That's and right. Re- reinforce yourself with that. And it feels, that feels good. And you get to break up. That's, in the, that's where you get to break up with efficiency. It's not efficient, but guess what? It's done. It's not efficient. It's done. It may not be efficient to walk all the way back to the basement to put the screwdriver back into the toolbox. Mm -hmm. It seems like efficient to set it down till the next time you're going to the basement. No, it's a lie. It's a lie. Go be inefficient. Put it back in the toolbox and your future you when it opens, you know, you'll be. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, God. When I go to my pools and they're like all over the place, I'm just like, what was I thinking? Like. I know it's not that hard to put them back where they need to go, but they're all over the place. And it's not fun to like be like, well, now I have to search through this crap and be maybe it's not even here. Maybe I didn't even get it into the garage. Yeah, it sucks. And it takes away brain power. We could be putting somewhere else. Yeah. Um, just last week, there was <laughs> I had a uh, something where I needed to get my uh, cordless drill. And I was like, oh, OK, well, the battery's dead. Well, I know the battery charger is in a weird place, but it's been there for like two months, so I should be able to find it. It was not in that place. Uh, And so then I spent half an hour before I could start this project trying to find this uh, charger, which was actually just next to the place I thought it was under a pile of other stuff. So close. So close. I was like, I I could use some decluttering in my life. Uh, But, you know, it's a. it's always, you know, you got to take it one step at a time. But yeah, and it's like, if I had just taken the time originally to put this away where it's supposed to go, then it would have been, I would not have spent that time. And I could have just gotten going on the project and not had half an hour of looking for the thing. And then another like hour of charging thing. Right, right. The time that it takes just adds up exponentially. There's a, uh, in the decluttering steps, there's like five steps that, that, we use in in this particular method. And there's two of the questions I think are really helpful. One of it is where would you look for the item? Mm -hmm. Not where should you look for it? Not where should it go, but where would you, you yourself, where would you look for it? And that's where you want to put it. But then the next question that can be really helpful is after you ask, okay, where would you go to look for this? The the question, the follow-up question is, would it ever occur to you that you had the thing anyway? Mm-hmm. And then if the answer is no, 
you just identified what may be a donatable or a piece of trash or whatever. Because if you're just going to go buy it again, because you didn't even know you had it, why take the time to organize it and find a home for it? Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I remember a couple of years ago, I found this like thing of photo paper I had. And I was like, I didn't even know I owned this still. And then they're like, it was like, where should I put this? I'm like, I will forget about where this is again. Forget I own this again before I need to use this photo paper. Um, I don't even have a color printer, so I couldn't use it anyway. I would have to. And it's just like, okay, yeah, I can get rid of this because this will, this is, doesn't, isn't part of my life anymore. That's right. My, and my head nod is like, pulling out like i'm gonna pull it out of socket because it's just relatable yes so relatable how many things how many things do i think oh that might come in handy someday or or i don't know what it is and so instead of making a decision i'm gonna delay the decision by putting it somewhere that i'm just gonna have to be responsible for later when i come back to that place oh that is a that is one of my adhd red flags i will come back i'll when i figure this out i'll do something but I don't actually schedule time to figure it out. Right. It's like uh, the ADHD flag where we say, I'll remember that. Like, I don't need to write it down. I'll remember. No, we know we, we, we've, we've done it enough to know that's never a reasonable expectation ever. And that I'll deal with it later. No, just stop for a minute. Think about it. Where would you look for it? Would it, it occur to you that you have it? And if the answer is no, I know. Yeah, and if you can't think about it now, then make a time that you will think about it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think people really get a lot out of this. I think this was a great introduction to uh, decluttering for people. Um, but if they want to hear more from you, um, or maybe because you offer online coaching, where could they find you? Yeah. Uh, so I can be reached um, by email at roxy at roxymartincoaching.com. And my website's the same, just Roxy Martin Coaching. And I love to talk about this stuff. So if there are more questions, um, if people are interested and want more resources, um, I'm, I'm happy to chat. And I encourage everyone to do it because Roxy is awesome. I love Roxy and it's been a pleasure having you actually on the podcast this time. So. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm always looking for an excuse to chat with you. Thanks for sticking with me all the way to the end. And thanks again for Roxy for coming on the show. I had a great time. If you want to check out more of Roxy's stuff, go over to roxymartincoaching.com. I hope you all got a lot out of this episode. I know I certainly did. I mean, that tip about how if we can't declutter our space in five to ten minutes, then it means it's not a clutter issue, it's an inventory issue. That was well worth the entire episode for me. All right, that's it. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. You can leave me a message over at hackingyouradhd.com slash contact. You can also reach me on Twitter at HackingYourADHD, and I've also just launched a TikTok channel that you can find by searching for Hacking Your ADHD. If you'd like links or to read this episode's transcript, you can find those on the show notes page at HackingYourADHD.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, the best way is to share episodes with someone you think would get something out of it. Just click the share button on your podcast player and send your bestie the link with something like, hey, I loved this episode of Hacking Your ADHD. I bet you'd get a lot out of it too. 
or you can support the show through my Patreon at hackingyouradhd.com slash Patreon. Sign up for the 2, 5, 10, 25, or even $50 a month level and get some great perks like monthly bonus content or early access to upcoming episodes. That's hackingyouradhd.com slash Patreon. And be sure to check out all the other podcasts on the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. For interviews with fellow ADHDers and ADHD experts, check out Eric Tiver's show, ADHD Rewired. For those of you with kids, be sure to check out Brendan Mahan's show, ADHD Essentials. And even if you don't have kids, this show is still a great resource for ADHD management. If you're interested in exploring issues of race and diversity in ADHD, be sure to check out ADHD Diversified with MJ. I also do a live Q&A with all the hosts of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network on the second Tuesday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to sign up, just go to ADHDRewired.com events.